Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. In today's episode, I interview Francis Tang, CEO and founder of Come and Gone. Come and Gone is your post-sex BFF. He just finished and you need to go to the bathroom and clean up. Well, now you can say goodbye to those old towels, the t-shirts, the half a roll of toilet paper, because Come and Gone is a disposable, super soft, sterile, medical-grade sponge that quickly soaks up all the excess fluids after sex so you can get back to your post-sex cuddles. Come and Gone has been featured on Daily Mail, The Huffington Post, New York Post, Cosmopolitan. It's pretty much a big deal. Uh, One of their advisors is the legendary Cindy Gallup, founder of Make Love Not Porn. It's I I am really blown away by this company. In this episode, we talk about Frances's journey of how she figured out how to successfully pitch her extremely private product, her experience living the founder lifestyle, such as having her parents' house as her product's warehouse, and her fundraising journey which I am proud to say I had a small part in. Um, She did fundraise from a venture capital firm in Texas and happy to have mentored her through that process. You can order your Come and Gone gone sponges at getcomeandgone.com. Hey, Francis, how are you? Hey, Brittany, good. Thank you so much for being on the show. I uh, met you a few months ago when you were fundraising in Texas, so I was so happy to meet you. Yeah, it's it's wild to be where we are now and to think about where we were at when we first <laughs> met. Um, yeah, that's but true. I'm really excited to share this story with your listeners. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, some of my investor friends had met you in Austin and they all said, oh my God, you have to meet Brittany. And I am so grateful <laughs> they introduced us and I'm so excited to have you on the show today. It is a very small world, Thumbtack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We all kind of know each other in some capacity. Um, And you're in LA, right? Yeah. So I'm in Southern California, technically Orange County, but if you don't know where that is, Los Angeles totally works. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I'm really excited to get into your company, Come and Gone, but let's start with you. Tell us about where you're from. What did you, you know, wanted to be when you grew up initially? And, you know, did you go to school? What did you study? Tell us about you. So I'm from the Bay Area, um, like most founders, and I went to UC San Diego for college. I studied communications. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. Um, To be totally honest, people joke that communications is like the default major if you don't know what you want to do. (laughs) And that is exactly why I was communications major, because I didn't know. Um, I graduated in 2010 during the other recession, and it was so incredibly hard to find a job. I still remember that time and how frustrating it was. Um, so I ended up just working a bunch of odd, 
unusual jobs until eventually I found a full-time job in marketing. Mm -hmm. But the entire time that I had a full-time job in marketing, I was always doing other things. So I started a pop-up date night business because I thought there was this underserved couples market that turned into an event planning company. Um, I worked as a baker. I worked as a hula dancer. I worked in Yes. (laughs) Yeah, if you're catching up on community right now, you might see me on one of the episodes. <laughs> That's um, awesome. I've had so many jobs and I tell people that I'm a self-proclaimed multi-potentialite because I really like to dive into things and just understand them and get to a certain level of mastery and then I move on and do something else. But I think the skills that you gain from those other perspectives are really valuable. And although my background is not health or science, I do think something about being outside of that bubble was helpful and seeing things a little bit differently. Yes. Almost saying like, oh, well, why can't I do this? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think that traveling does that too. So, you know, in high school, I was a foreign exchange student and I lived in France for a year and my little northern New Jersey mind was blown in terms of how old the world actually is and how people act and how they eat and how they talk and emotions. And I mean, traveling and then also like different experiences really do open up your mind to creativity. Yeah, it really does. Um, I said that I worked as a baker and so... One of the inspirations for Come and Gone was, um, you know, when you're like baking a cake and you have the batter in the bowl and you have to get the last bits of batter out of the bowl, uh-huh. you use a spatula. And oh, so I use my, my head, finger. I use my finger. Okay, which also works. In <laughs> but not professionally. Example. Got it. Got it. <laughs> no, that totally works in this case because in my head I was like, okay, well, why isn't there a spatula that can like help me get the cum out of my vagina? Uh huh. But what I ended up actually doing was using my <laughs> finger to get the cum out. So, I mean, yeah. it totally works. It actually <laughs> is a good comparison. Yeah, cake batter and sperm. Yeah, weird. <laughs> so, you are a baker, you're a hula dancer, you end up in marketing. How did you end up in femtech? What happened next? I was involved in a cannabis startup with a co-founder and we decided to part ways. Um, And so I was telling a couple of my friends, like I was kind of bummed out. It was maybe a week later. And I told them that there was this idea that had been sitting in the back of my mind for a couple of years, ever since I've been on birth control, really. And Mm -hmm. we talked about it for two to three hours that night. There was so much engagement and I guess just captivity during that conversation that I decided to look into it further. And so that was the original, that was the first time come and gone came to life in a conversation that I actually told anyone. I think as a female founder, I was, I wasn't confident that it was an idea that I could turn into a business. Mm -hmm. I thought it sounded it sounded crazy. It was weird. It was unusual. We're talking about the body. We're talking about after sex, bodily fluids. I just had never told anyone about it up until that point. Yeah. And so and when was that? After that was a couple years ago. Okay. It, yeah. It was a while back. Yeah. Um, that was a couple years ago. And after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to think about this, take it a little bit more seriously, look at it and 
try to see if there is a need for this and I can turn it into a business. So after that, I ended up applying to an accelerator in downtown LA. It's called Grid 110, no cost, no equity. Um, and it was an incredible program. I was in the idea to prototype track. Mm -hmm. So I truly just had an idea. I didn't have anything. I joined that accelerator and when I first joined, I pitched the idea like someone would pitch any business with statistics and information. <laughs> and yeah. And it was awful. People hated it. Like half Aww. the room was deeply offended. I think they <laughs> felt like I was accusing them of having sex and like getting common. And the other half of the room was like, yes, this is amazing. And so I was like, okay, this is not, this is not the pivot, way to talk pivot, about Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very much, I still remember the faces in that room. Oh like, my God. They just were kind of, oh gosh, like this girl. So over the course of that accelerator, the pitch pivoted into almost what I would call a stand-up comedy routine. Mm -hmm. There was a guy in that cohort who was an actor and one of the girls she wrote in entertainment. And so I think like some of it came from them and it, it pivoted into this personal story about myself. And it was, it was really successful. I found that that was the best way to connect with other people, not by telling them that they potentially have a problem where so many other people have the problem, but just saying, I have this problem. My husband comes in me and I hate it. I hate running to the bathroom, rolling off the bed, digging my finger inside and getting that cake batter out. Like it just really is this personal story that I had to tell. And it went over really well. Um, oh, you converted so, the faces. All, more faces into oh I see most of yeah them. most of them. <laughs> there's still people who are deeply offended but it's less I think yeah. I don't know if you look at the Facebook comments sometimes <laughs> I wonder um, but that's the internet for you so something that I did do that was pretty much against all advice was Typically, they tell you to prove your idea, to gather email addresses, make sure you have a market, maybe do pre-sales, maybe think about doing a Kickstarter or something just to make sure there is a market mm -hmm. before you pour money into yeah, yeah. the product and additional development and the website. And that absolutely makes sense. It is a very smart way to go, mm -hmm. but it's not the way <laughs> that I went. I was getting told this. And as I was trying to explain my product to different people, like I wasn't, they, they couldn't understand what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. They're like, Oh, so it's a wipe or, Oh, it's a douche. Or like, I don't want to stick something in my vagina before I have sex. That sounds so uncomfortable. And I would explain, it. I would say, no, it's, it's a sponge with a handle that is inserted and absorbs all the excess fluids after sex. And they would say like, Oh, it's a suction machine. Mm -hmm. Like that sounds awful. And I'm like, no, I did not say that. And so I <laughs> defied most of the advice that I got. And I, ordered 20,000 units of product because I was like, okay, the only way I think I'm going to get people to understand is if they see it, touch yes, it, feel it yeah. and if I sell the product, that would be the ultimate validation for me. If strangers are willing to put money down, which is another pretty common thing you hear, um, in the world of startups. So I ordered 20,000 units of product and I went and 
picked them up and I had these massive boxes sitting in my parents' house, like every Silicon Valley <laughs> entrepreneur who uses their parents' house. And I'm like, okay, I, I have to sell these things. I'm sorry about that. So I have all these masses, massive boxes of products sitting in my parents' house. And I'm like, okay, I got to put together a website, take some photos. Mm-hmm. I get that website up and I tell myself, this is where the work starts. Like now I have to market it, right? Mm-hmm. People have to actually know about the website. They have to come to it. They have to like buy it. You can't just throw up a website and expect that people will magically appear. Yeah, And so that day that the website went live, I posted it on a couple of Facebook groups just saying, hey, like, will you take a look at my website? Just let me know what you think. Looking for feedback, constructive criticism. I went to bed that night and the next morning I woke up and I noticed a DM on Facebook and it was a woman from Huffington Post UK and she had messaged me at 2.30 a.m. my time mm-hmm. when I was asleep mm-hmm. saying, hey, I saw your website. Can I write an article about mm. this? And then at 5.30 a.m. she's like, here's the link to the article. Oh so my she, God. Didn't wait, she didn't wait for me to answer the question <laughs> or like say it was fine. She wrote the article. She sent it and I had all these other notifications on my phone and it was orders and emails oh and gosh. like DMs and notifications on Instagram and Facebook. And I like ran to my computer. I still remember I was like in bed and I was like, what is happening? I like ran to my computer mm. and that Huffington Post article had been posted at 5 30 a.m. And so other articles were already being posted <gasps> after that. And it was another, I think, classic startup story thing where these orders kept coming in. My phone kept dinging. Oh my God, the was... rebounder's dream. I'm so excited for you. This is a great story. It was very <laughs> much that story. But I mean, at the time, it was like, terrifying. I, had, I was selling 10 for $10 only in the US. I wasn't shipping internationally. I was like, I'm just going to see if people will buy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm getting this coverage in the UK because we mm, accidentally like yeah. launched in the UK thanks to this article. And so my phone <laughs> keeps like dinging and dinging and I'm like watching these numbers and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I like rushed to my parents' house and I have to start folding boxes and like putting things together. I was ready to ship out like what, 20 boxes, yep, yeah, not hundreds. Uh-huh. And so I call a few friends, I enlist my family. And for the next couple of days, my parents' house, it is, it's a startup sweatshop where we just are assembly line, building boxes, figuring out how to package things and put them together. I, I have to go to other locations, like find more boxes and get more things printed. And it was, it was, I mean, it was really exciting. You know, I fed everyone in pizza, just your (laughs) standard. It was, it was, it was wild. Um, Did you sell out of those 20,000 units? We did. And so about, a few days later, I was like, okay, if this rate continues, then these are going to be done. So I went ahead and I took another gamble and I ordered a hundred thousand mm, units more yeah. because I, I was like, I don't, I don't want to run out of product yeah, that yeah. could potentially, that could potentially be the worst thing to happen. Yep. And so I ordered a hundred thousand more units and that was our unofficial launch to the world, which was, wasn't intentional. And when um, was that? That was in October of 2019. So you could say only a few months ago. Wow. Incredible. How many units have you sold to date? 
We are probably at like 80,000. Me. Oh my gosh. Incredible. Every founder of a consumer product dream. That's amazing. It's it's been really wild. I I mean, the whole brand has essentially been built off of that initial pitch. It was mm-hmm. a very straightforward kind of humorous, like, hey, this is the thing I'm going through and here's a solution. It sucks. Like, you know, if you're interested, here it is. Yeah. And it it has been, it's been really good. I, for the most part, I feel like I've been just following my gut and just doing whatever made sense to me, yes. whether it's like posting a 69 pack or making like a giant come and gone for social media because someone asked for an XXL. Um, so just kind of doing whatever makes sense and is funny to me. Uh, but now that we have kind of buttoned things up, it we're trying to tighten everything up yeah. and the brand. And, um, well, let's talk about the product itself. So I know we've been kind of like alluding to it, but really tell our listener who, let's say they've never signed your website yet. They don't know what we're really talking about. What is Come and Gone's product? So Come and Gone is an after sex cleanup sponge that is, it's a sponge and a handle. It's inserted into the vagina. It absorbs all those excess fluids. So come your own fluids, lube and it absorbs quickly. So you stick it in there, swirl it around, remove it, and you can throw it away. It's really to prevent the leaking and the dripping and everything getting on your sheets and in your underwear the next day. I mean, I distinctly remember going to work in office jobs and like sitting there the next day and then thinking my period started and it's like not my period. It's stuff from last night, but you have to like run to the bathroom and it's like, what is like, Uh it's, it's such an uncomfortable experience. And in my head, like every time I would go through that, I'd say like, okay, this is an internal problem. It's not an external problem. Like I'm externally wiping. I'm using wipes. I'm using tissues. I'm using like the t-shirt or the underwear that Uh my husband just like throws me. And that's fantastic, but it's inside. And so I could never understand why there wasn't something that would solve the problem at its worst. Yeah, I remember. Sorry, everyone's going to hear my dog trips and he's barking for some reason. Um, He's very he loves he loves his product. He's like, this is great. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, I remember the first time we talked on the phone and you said, you know, Britt, that's just not how holes work. You know, you don't clean out a hole by wiping the top of it. Like, that's not how holes work. And I was like, yes, that makes so much sense on a physics you know, realm. (laughs) Yeah. That's not how holes work. They just wipe the top of it. Like the issue is inside the cylinder, right? The vagina. Yeah. I felt like it was a pretty straightforward issue. Like to clean it out previously, I was like sticking my finger up there and kind of like swirling it around just to kind of like get it to come Mm. out. Um, Do you think men know that we struggle with this or is it just like a secret thing that women deal with? I think some do and some don't. Um, I talk to a lot of men. Actually, 30% of our customers are men, interestingly enough. Really? And yeah, I notice a lot of, so there's a lot of thoughtful men in the world, um, absolutely, that say, oh my goodness, my wife talks about this all the time. Like, I just bought your product for her, or I just sent her your website, or, you know, she's always complaining to me about this. So some men are, 
They absolutely know it's being communicated clearly. They notice what's going on. And other men just have no idea. They're just like, mm-hmm. oh, is that what she's doing in the bathroom? Yes. Like, yes. That is what she's doing in the bathroom. Yeah, they like don't know why minutes. we go in the bathroom afterwards. And do you know, is your product useful for same-sex couples? Like, I guess women, uh, you know, to women, I mean, they're still a mess, not necessarily sperm per se, but there's still a lot of fluid. It depends on how much. Um, well, our product is definitely used by same-sex male couples. It is not the current intention, um, mm-hmm. but we have a lot of DMs and reviews and private messages about it, which I think is incredible. That's amazing. Um, for same-sex female couples, I haven't had a lot of feedback about it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I guess the biggest thing that I do want to communicate is it has to be an excess amount of fluid. It's not meant mm-hmm. to clean your vagina as a self-cleaning organ. Like you yeah. don't have to clean it for no reason. Yeah. It is only for excess fluids to prevent all of that. And yes, you still have to pee after sex. Just PSA, everyone. Pee after sex, super important. Tell us why that's important. I know why, but I want our listeners to know why. Why is it important to pee after sex? So you have to pee after sex to flush out the bacteria so you don't get a UTI. Your your urethra is not your vagina. I a lot of people say like, <laughs> oh, I can just like pee it out. And I'm like, that is an incredible superpower because it's a different hole. <laughs> and we're gonna like go back to the whole discussion. Yeah. That is a totally different hole. So the fact that you can do that or think you can do that is I mean, that's more power to you. You don't need this product, which yeah. is great. <laughs> and so there's bacteria in the urethra. And so after sex, urinating is uh, assisting with decreasing the risk of having a urinary tract infection, right? Yes. And so you need to flush that bacteria out by peeing. And if you don't, and if you've never had a UTI, you never, ever want one. It is the worst mm-hmm. feeling in the world, I won't describe it for you guys, but yeah, it is it's the worst. Like truly, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what is the material that the sponge is made out of? Or what is it, you know, is it safe for women? Have you tested that? Did you make sure? So the material is polyurethane, and that's the same material that non-latex condoms are made out of, oh. and the contraceptive sponge is made out of. So oh, as I was developing the product, I was like, what other what other um, spongy, foamy materials are safe for the vagina? Mm-hmm. And because those are two products that are already inserted into the vagina for a much longer period of time, that was where I started my research. But our product doesn't have, it doesn't have any additives other than that. It's, Perfect. It's a pretty simple product. Yeah, yeah. And um, you said the word douche earlier. So what is the female douche? And have women used that for after sex cleanup? Is that still a thing? I don't know if douching is still a thing. There's been a lot of more recent information on why it can cause pH imbalances. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of newer douches that um, say they help with this. I, I don't personally use douches or washes, so I can't, I, I can't say anything about them. Um, but our product is kind of an alternative. Um, if that's something you aren't comfortable with or don't do. Yeah. My co-founder, Dr. Julie Hakeem, she always says the vagina is like the eyeball. You don't have to clean it. It self cleans. (laughs) 
You know, like sometimes the eye does have something in it and you do need to address that. But in general, like on a daily basis, you don't need to clean out your eye. And I'm like, that really, yeah, isn't that good? Yeah, yeah, it cleans itself, you know. But if you have excess sperm in your eye, you should probably wipe it out, right? Like, but on a general day, you don't need to be up in there like cleaning it, right? Yeah, I think that's a really, that's a really good way to put it. You can, yes. you can use that. You can use that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sperm in your eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said you had thousands of boxes, uh, or maybe not boxes, but the product at your parents' house. What have your parents said about this? Knowing that, you know, their daughter obviously created a product to solve her own problem of having come in her vagina. Was that weird? Or are they like super woke and, you know, like you know, 21st century, or was it, you know, tell us about that experience. Okay. I've never said my parents were woke in my entire life, (laughs) but I, I would say they are. So, um, I'm Asian, which you guys probably have no idea via this podcast. And a lot of the times people will ask me, what does your dad think Mm. about your product? And Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like a sexist question or a racist question. Like, Like, this is weird. And so I tell them like, he is incredibly supportive. So he is actually also a founder and entrepreneur, totally different industry, um, electrical engineering, but he is retired. And so to him, this is a business opportunity. It's Mm. a gap in the market. And he's honestly super excited. He's like, well, you need toilet paper for your ass. You need this for your vagina. Like, what is the (laughs) difference? And I'm like, yes, dad. Like, yeah. And so it's, (laughs) <laughs> it's been so interesting, but I even have like that's a great analogy too. Yeah. It's been so interesting because I mean, he has been a founder entrepreneur his entire life for the most part. And now that I'm going through what he went through, mm-hmm. we're almost closer because oh. he's telling me different anecdotes and stories and experiences that he yeah. went through when he was fundraising or he actually stored product in his parents' house. I had no idea. And so he's telling me these things and advising. He's like, he's an advisor. He's been there helping me the entire way when I had to drive the U-Haul to the port to like pick up product. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's been really great. They've been incredibly supportive. I think my mom, super supportive. She doesn't understand it as well. She's like, okay, yeah, I guess there's this many people who are, I'm like, mom, I'm your child. You have clearly had, you've had this happen to you because you know, <laughs> I exist. So yeah, um, yeah. But it's been, it's been great. It's, I'm very lucky to have the support of my family. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would have gotten this far without them because it's, it's tough. Yeah. Do you know like what percentage of, women and or couples are you know uh, permitting the men to come inside their partner like do we know like is this half of people having sex are doing this 20 percent 10 percent like do we have any idea what your market is so the initial surveys that I did on my own which aren't very scientific surveys was over 90% of women who are on birth control. Yes. So I surveyed women who are on birth control, yep. um, which 
a lot of, so my target is women who are in long-term relationships or married who are mm-hmm. on birth control. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you're, you should be using condoms and being safe. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. But of the women who are using birth control, it sounds like over 90%. I did as much research as I could and it was really mm-hmm. hard to find statistics on stuff mm-hmm. like this. Um, but thus far that is kind of where it's been and we're looking at doing some more formal market research. It's really just figuring out the right questions. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Personal. I mean, this isn't even something that I have like, Oh yeah. A knee jerk reaction. Like, because my friends and I talk about it. So I have a sense of what percentage I don't even know. And I mean, I'm very open, you know, and yeah, no one talks about this. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh man. What have women using your product been telling you or couples? I should say. A lot of women have been coming back with reviews and DMs. And the my favorite thing that I hear is that it has opened up this conversation amongst their friends, amongst mm-hmm. their even family, which I think is incredible. I had one girl, she wrote an email or she DM'd me and she said that she's never talked about sex with her mom or her sister her mm-hmm. entire life. And now she's like shipping them my product and they're talking about it. And I think that... I think that's incredible. Like this is something that so many women are going through. Like mm-hmm. sex doesn't end after you roll over and fall asleep, like in the movies. <laughs> like yes. yeah, everyone, yes. so many people are going through this. I mean, you might not be going through this. Maybe if you're like using condoms, but the majority of women are. And why we don't talk about it is, I, I don't know why. I know it's, it's weird and it's sticky and it's taboo and it can be embarrassing, but your, your friends are going through it. Like your family, like, everyone, all, most people with vaginas are going through this. And so when I hear that, that just, it makes me incredibly happy. Um, I also have other women interviews who are saying that it has been helping with, um, their pH imbalance because, uh, sperm is really acidic. So if you remove the acidity, um, helping with, um, UTIs, helping with helping women that have hysterectomies, which I think is a really interesting use case that, Wow. I just kind of thought of. Yeah. Yeah. or women with disabilities, um, just having this this tool with like a handle to just help quickly remove all that excess um before that like so they don't have to run to the bathroom as quickly. Um yeah, there's just been like such a variety of use cases, like, oh, I'm going camping or I'm going on vacation. I don't want to use the hotel towels. So I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. I wouldn't want to use those either. You know, I see such a parallel between like we talk about um, for sex, we talk about like foreplay, we talk about the act. And then when we get to talking about the end of it, we drop off. We don't talk about what happens afterwards. And I feel like the parallel here is women's health in terms of getting your period, being a menstruating woman, fertility, pregnancy, but then we don't talk about menopause. It's like, who's ripping out the last chapter of this book? Why is everyone <laughs> always ripping out the last chapter, right? And it's like women have to like discover the the last phase always by themselves. Yeah, that's a that's a really good way to put it. I I don't know. I mean, movies probably perpetuate this stereotype that after you have like a really fantastic orgasm at exactly the same time <laughs> and everyone sees rainbows that it just ends and you fall asleep uh-huh. and things are perfect, um, which is absolutely not what is happening. No, um, no. So 
kind of like you said, at the end of the day, we're 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 a hygiene company. This is yeah. this product is very utilitarian. It's not like a cool vibrator, sexy <laughs> like yeah. lube. Like it's utilitarian. It's a tool. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like Kleenex come and gone. You know, you guys are <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's we're totally a hygiene company, and yeah. I guess a a little. Um, foreshadowing for you guys is that our parent company is awkward essentials and we are rebranding to awkward essentials because that is what this is yes awkward essentials i love it um have you noticed difficulties in marketing your product marketing there is a line that we are walking as of right now we have been able to do digital i don't know if that is going to go away um, and then in terms of just more general marketing thus far, it's been whatever I've been able to bootstrap or think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and our most successful marketing video has been this Twinkie video that's demonstrating how the product works. And the way that came about is I was getting so many questions initially. How does it work? How long do I leave it in? Like, what is it? So I'm like, okay, what is a PG-13 way that I can show this product getting <laughs> inserted into something, removing something else? And it was a Twinkie. So a friend of mine who used to be in the culinary world, we just came to my house and we put together this really unprofessional setup with like a Twinkie and the product and we <laughs> filmed a video of the product being inserted into the Twinkie, twisting, removing, and then you could like seal the Twinkie cream and like that was it. It was just a few mm. seconds long and threw it on the website, threw it in the media kit and it, it was on, it was a hit because it was polarizing. It was actually on Comedy Central on David Spade and I had no idea until seeing a comment on our Instagram. Someone was like, who's here because of lights out by David Spade. And I'm like, what does this even mean? And we like tracked down the clip mm. and it turns out it was on comedy central. Like I think people <laughs> just find it so polarizing. Yeah. They think it's gross or it's funny, but I'm like, Hey guys, you had the question. Like you wanted to know how it works. Yeah. So here is yeah. the PG 13 answer. And, um, we all know Twinkies. So <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's hilarious to be, to be creative like that. That's fantastic really, really creative. I think there is something about having to bootstrap that forces you to be scrappy, which can, I think it can work in your favor. It is, it's a lot more organic and natural because Mm -hmm. it has to be like, I don't have, I didn't have the money to do anything more high quality than that. Yep. Well, speaking of bootstrapped, um, I met you because you were fundraising with some VCs in Texas and you recently closed a round of funding, right? Yes. Uh, I closed the round with them. They did the entire round, surprisingly enough, and they've been, they've been incredible. Who is it? The VC firm is Unorthodox Ventures and they really like unusual CPG products. I remember the first time I saw their website, I was like, okay, if their thesis is what they say it is, then this will be a really good fit, which isn't always the case when you're looking at websites. Um, And so they were one of the only VCs that I actually cold reached out to. I sent them a cold email. I sent a cold email to Carrie Smith, who was the founder of Big Ass Fans. And uh, they called me the next day. I actually thought it was a robocaller, like a spam <laughs> You're like, because Texas, like, whatever. What <laughs> and I'm like, what is this area code? I had no idea. And I picked it up. And 
they were like, hi, this is Unorthodox Ventures. And I was like, are you, you guys are calling me on the phone? <laughs> like, wow. what? And so within a couple of weeks, they flew me out there. I met them, um, incredible team, consumer product, good background. They understand the importance of branding and marketing, and they really dig in and help their portfolio companies on the ground. And so we, we signed and we closed and we're just in full-fledged rebranding, mm. product development, everything oh mode God. right now. It's pretty exciting. So exciting. I'm so excited for you. You know, and I and I just want to share this for anyone out there who is, you know, early stages of starting your company and you may say, I don't know how to fundraise, like I've never done this, like this sounds scary. I'm just going to, you know, kind of put Francis on the spot here, but like she was calling me being like, um, what's a typical term sheet? Like, can you walk me through this? And so it's not like she has this background in VC and that you're a financial banker and you knew all the things. You're like, I just have this badass product. These people want to give me money. And now I need to ask for advice on like term sheets and contracts and things I don't, you know, that's not my background. But so I'm so grateful for your humility. And, uh, you know, the community here is is so strong and wanting to help each other. It's, I, I don't know anything about fundraising. I, <laughs> we talked about fundraising during the accelerator that I was mm-hmm. in and I can't say I paid a ton of attention because I wasn't planning on fundraising. I, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to fundraise and get a massive evaluation and da, 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 and like sell my company. Like that wasn't what was going through my head. And I don't know if it was the lack of confidence mm. or just because I don't, know a lot of people who've done it and to the, I still don't know a lot of people who um, have fundraised or have decided to go that route. And yeah. I can understand why it's really scary. It's really intimidating. If you don't know a lot of people who've done it, it's, yeah. it's really hard. And so I had to do a lot of like stalking within my network and asking people like, Hey, do you know anyone who's done this? Can I please talk to them? I mean, there's so many people, I have this like list of people you're on it, Brittany. <laughs> and I like list what their expertise is next to it. So anytime I have a question about that, I will text them. I'll be like, Hey, like, Brittany, like, I hope you don't mind if I'm bothering you, but you know, I have a question about this. Like I've never gone through this. Like, do you mind giving me some advice? And people want to help you. Like they, they want you to succeed. They want to help you. And I know that everyone says this, but you have to take them up on it. And like when people ask me questions, I'm like, yes, like I will tell you everything that I have, everything I know, all the resources that I found this far. Mm -hmm. Like, let me send you this video because it is really hard and it is really lonely if you don't know anyone else who, who has done it. So I think seeking those communities is just so important. Yeah. And that is actually why this month we launched Femtech Focus's uh, fundraising prep accelerator. So it's a 12 week program to help you know, people like yourself who have this badass product, they want to fundraise, they need to fundraise, but they've never done it before. And it's a 12 week curriculum of getting you fundraising ready, you know, so here's all the things you need to know, and you're getting all your materials ready. So by the end of the 12 weeks, you would be prepared to start pitching and talking to investors in a in a competent way. So we just launched that. And uh, we also have an investor relations piece. So helping connect the dots between investors and and founders to get more capital infused in this industry. So this is actually really great. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a purposeful ad, but it just kind of came up and we just launched that. So that's fantastic. That's amazing. It's there's so much information available out there, but it's really hard to pull it together yeah, yeah. and understand what you need and what makes sense for yeah. you. Because I don't 
I don't think there is a like one set path or formula, mm-hmm. but there are so many things like you don't know what you don't know. And yes, that's right. BC's like, why don't you have this? And like, and I, like, I didn't know I needed that. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. And also I feel strongly about femtech founders having to pitch in a way that is different than the regular other industries. So like you mm-hmm. took the statistics route, it didn't go well. Then you took a humor based personal story pitch route and it went way better. Right. And so I think those are mm-hmm. the types of hurdles that we will help femtech founders, you know, figure navigate because it is not just your regular, you can't just read a, you know, article on TechCrunch and be like, okay, now I know how to pitch. It's like, well, there's a little bit of something else you got to consider when you're femtech. Yeah. It is. I think something else I do want to add is that a lot of female founders, they tend to focus on female investors mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. I did that and I wouldn't say it was a bad experience, but I would say the better guiding light should be the thesis. So yes. do they do they invest in products like yours? Do they even invest in products? If they only invest in SaaS and you don't have a SaaS product, then it doesn't matter if they're a female investor or not. So make sure (laughs) that you are aligned. I think the alignment is more important than I'm a female founder and that's a female investor. I think it's helpful because those female investors can understand the product a little bit better. But when you have something solid, like, and you find the right investors, and if they are male, they they can understand it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Especially when, even if they don't understand the product, but if they can understand the numbers and how many women out there are cleaning out cum with their finger, you know, like if they can get their mind around those statistics, then, you know, it's a smart business move for them. Well, Francis, this has been such an amazing conversation. I have two last questions for you that our listeners love. The first one is, we have a lot of aspiring founders that listen to this podcast. If they wanted to get into femtech, what are some areas in women's health and wellness that still need innovating? There are so many. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many. I think the best way to think about it is to think about your own personal experiences, because if it is something that you are encountering and it is a hurdle that you haven't been able to find a solution for, Mm -hmm. you will one, know the problem inside and out. And even if you don't have a, a science or a product background, it still makes you an expert in that problem because you've experienced it. And two, like even if you don't have that background, you'll be able to think about the solution a little bit more innovatively. Yeah. So innovate something that you're experiencing yourself, that you're tired of it and you can't believe that there's not a product out there for it yet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think femtech as an industry needs the most right now to be successful? This is a interesting question. I, I think it needs, more more founders just different voices mm-hmm. different backgrounds i think there's so many incredible femtech brands out there but there's even more women out there who exist in the world yes. and different things resonate with people differently and that's why branding exists and so even if there is already like you know 10 women's education startups, there is always room for more because what might resonate with someone may not resonate with someone else. Yeah. So if one company leans 
a lot more leans in one direction. Like you can have a company that leans in another direction with similar information and you will still reach a lot of women and provide a lot of value. Yeah. Because the, you know, product that's best for a woman of a certain race isn't the best for another one or in a certain country or a certain language. You know, we we partner a lot with Fermata in Japan and uh, we like we want to collaborate more on like digital things that we can share. But all of, you know, um, their community only speaks Japanese. And so it's like, okay, well, let's collaborate. And then you take the Japanese market, we'll take the English market, right? And so it's like, we're literally working on the same project, but we also know like it's two separate projects because it's going to be in Japanese and English, right? So yeah, I hear what you're saying there. Um, The culture is different too. So I talked to them and they were like, can you make your instructions a little cuter? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, do you want me to put like smiley faces on the vaginas? Like, I don't, so it's, yeah, it's just things are different. People are different. Yes. Oh man. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so proud of you. I love, love, love interviewing people that I've been following and helping along the way. So, um, I love your product. Um, I'm currently single, so I am not a customer, but as as soon as I get hooked up, girl, I'm, (laughs) I'm coming in your DMs. I'm getting my box and coming gone. (laughs) Yeah. Slide in there. We're here for you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you for listening to my interview with Francis Tang, CEO and founder of Come and Gone. Come and Gone was born out of a very personal problem. And when Francis thought there has got to be a solution and found that there was nothing on the market for post-sex cleanup, she took matters into her own hands. It's a classic femtech story of assuming someone has addressed this, right? And finding out, nope, nobody has. So I want to ask you, listeners, what is an inconvenience or a pain point in your life that you've just accepted as normal? You may not even think it's a pain point because you've accepted it that much. Think about it, though. And once you find one, see if there's a solution. If there isn't one, you may have a really big idea, a big company idea. In this episode, we also hear once again the importance of your network to be successful in business. Femtech Focus is super excited to start working with Femtech founders on getting them investor ready. Please reach out to us on social at Femtech Focus or through our website, femtechfocus.org, to learn more about this opportunity. We are a proud partner to many women's health organizations, and a few of them are having awesome events that I'd like to tell you about. First is Springboard Enterprise launched the Women's Health Innovation Coalition, which is a group of innovators, investors, clinicians, analysts, and industry leaders with a shared goal of advancing innovation in women's health. You can join their virtual launch of party on Tuesday, July 21st, so tomorrow, from 1 to 2 p.m. Central Time. You can meet other women uh, and other men, anyone, in the women's health space and learn how you can get involved with their coalition. You can learn more at www.womens.health. That's womens.health. The second event I want to tell you about is a virtual conference coming up in September called the Women's Health Innovation Summit. It is going to be huge. Four days, 
September 14th, 15th, and the 21st and 22nd. So it's a Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. Get your early bird tickets now, womenshealthinnovationusa.com. It's kind of the biggest deal in femtech in terms of a conference. Wow, that was a lot, but I want to keep y'all in the loop. And if you want to keep staying in the loop, then support the podcast. Uh, Follow us on social at Femtech Focus. Check out our website, femtechfocus.org. And until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. 